What's up, guys? Y'all doing all right? Man, I hope you're doing good. Uh, welcome to uh, Connection Church. My name's Blake. Uh, I get the privilege to be one of the pastors uh, in Vidalia, and so I'm excited uh, to be up here today. Did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? I hope you ate good food. Uh, I know I did. Uh, glad to be here. I chose my red and black shirt on purpose, packed that in my suitcase on purpose. Uh, Yesterday, I got a little nervous the first drive when uh, Georgia Tech came and scored, and I thought, I might not wear that shirt tomorrow. But uh, we uh, ended up being okay. And so my grandparents uh, live up here. They're kind of famous in the Athens area. My, my grandparents own uh, Greenbrier Creek Christmas Tree Farm. So if you've ever heard of that, that's my grandparents. And so ladies, later this afternoon, get your husband, put him in the truck, Drive down to Greenbrier Creek Christmas Tree Farm, pick out the most expensive tree you can find, and, and you buy that. They'll appreciate that. Uh, John chapter 6, I just want to pray for us real quick, and, and then we'll dive back in, and, and it'll be, we'll dive back into the Bible, but that's okay because this is the Bible. It is God's Word, and so man, I'm excited to let it speak to us this morning. Let me pray for us real quick, and we'll jump in. Uh, God, we just love you. And we're just thankful. God, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for your spirit. And God, just to be here and worship you. God, we, we take that for granted so much. Uh, let us not do that this morning. And I just pray that your spirit would, would work in our hearts through your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. I want you to imagine going, a new movie coming out. And a new movie comes out, and you decide, hey, I want to go check out some reviews on this movie. And you go and you check out four different reviews on this movie, and every single review shares the same scene in the movie. Four different people, the same movie, four different reviews, but they talk about one particular scene. What would that say to you? It would tell you that... That scene is a big deal in this movie. And we enter a miracle in John chapter 6 that is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John. And what that speaks to us is there's something about this passage that's very important. Not that all Scripture's not, but it's very important. that This is how we should see God and how we should relate to Him every single day. And so I'm going to pick it up in verse 1, John chapter 6, verse 1. Some time after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this is the place. And if you go to Israel, uh, it's, it's really a lake. The, the Sea of Galilee, and it's surrounded by mountains, and it sits down uh, kind of like a bowl in the middle of these mountains. In verse 2, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. And this is the people in that place. And they were following him because of the signs that he performed. And I just want to say this, you would too. And I would too. Nicodemus came in John chapter 3 and said, uh, Jesus, we know that you're a teacher sent from God for no one could do these things. What you're doing is not normal. Okay, you turned water in, into wine. You, you pretty much bartended a wedding. Uh, what you're doing is not normal. And, and man, it's, it's amazing to see the, this great crowd uh, following him. But what's interesting is in John 6... 
a great crowd followed him. But in John 19, a great crowd yelled, crucify him. And so something has happened in between John 6 and and even John chapter 7, as you'll see next week, uh, many deserted him and left. Verse 3 says, Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. And the Jewish Passover festival was near. The Passover festival. I mean, festivals are important. They've been around for a long time. They tell us uh, who we are. In Vidal, we have the Sweet Onion Festival. Why? Because we're the home of sweet onions, baby. That's why. And y'all have uh, the Winterville Marigold Festival. Why? I have no clue. <laughs> but y'all have it. And, and, and the Jews had the Passover festival, and it looked backwards in remembrance of what God had done and brought Israel out. But not only did it look backwards, it was supposed to look forwards. Hebrews says that these are a shadow of the things that's to come. And John wants us to know that Jesus is what's to come. That Jesus is the Savior that we're looking for. In verse 5, he says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd, he said to Philip, Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? And this is Philip. He's friends with Nathaniel. Remember, he he told Nathaniel, Hey, the one Moses wrote about, the the Christ has come. And Nathaniel's like, Jesus from Nazareth? Is anything good come from Nazareth? That that Philip, and Jesus looks at Philip and says, Philip, where's the closest Publix at? Where are we going to buy bread for all these people? This is a, there's tons of people. And in verse 7, Philip answered, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And this is the problem. Philip says, Jesus, I could work for eight months, and, and we might have enough money to buy everyone a cracker. There's a lot of people here. I looked, the average Braves game in 2021, 2022, the average Braves game was 29,000 people. And in this passage, most commentators say that including men and women and children, probably 20,000 people was here. And that's a huge problem, but it's in the face of huge problems that sometimes God does His greatest work and makes Himself known in ways that He never has before. Verse 8 says, Another of His disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. And I think it's hilarious that John refers to Andrew as Simon Peter's brother. That has to suck, to be known as someone's brother. I remember my, my, uh, my older brother, he was a senior in high school, and I was in middle school, I was in sixth grade, and everywhere we go, they'd say, that's Eric's younger brother. That, and so I was known for his younger brother. And what I want you to see is unknown doesn't mean insignificant. Unknown doesn't mean insignificant. Andrew was a disciple maker. And in chapter 12, we see where he really connected people to Jesus. And it's all through the Bible that we see people that, man, don't, their name's not mentioned a lot, but they do great things for the kingdom. And, and then Andrew spoke up in verse 9, and he said, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Andrew said, Jesus, here's a boy with a to-go plate of Captain D's. But how far will this go among so many? In verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place. 
They sat down, about 5,000 men were there. And John wants us to know there was plenty of grass in that place. Have no idea why, but he wants us to know. Not like Colorado grass or like Snoop, like grass grass, like yard, yard grass. And he says there's plenty of grass in that place. And in verse 11 he says, Jesus then took the loaves and gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And Jesus took a can of sardines and he made it an all-you-can-eat buffet. Philip planned on the minimum, but Jesus planned on the maximum. Uh, Jesus has an endless supply. Psalms 50, 9-12 says he owns cattle on a thousand hills. John wants us to know there's nothing too big for Jesus. No wine at a wedding? No problem. No food in the wilderness? No problem. No life in the tomb? No problem. Verse 12, when they had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather these pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. And what God really showed me as I was reading this is the hard work behind the wonder that, that Jesus did a great miracle, but it took hard work. Imagine these disciples having to pick up all these leftovers and distribute all these leftovers. And sometimes, man, it's through our labor and toil that we see fruit on the other side that God uses us to do great things. And so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over who had eaten. And it's amazing that there's 12 disciples and there's 12 baskets of leftovers. And God don't promise prosperity, but He does promise provision. And it's amazing to see that, man, He feeds the birds, and He clothes the fields, and even these disciples, as they work for Him, they picked up these baskets, 12 of them, and 12 baskets. And verse 14 says, After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who came into the world. Surely this is the one Moses wrote about in Deuteronomy 18.15. Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, and you must listen to him. And they said, surely this is that prophet. This is who Jesus is. In verse 15, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Why would he do that? If y'all wanted to make me king by force, if you said, Blake, we're going to make you the king of Athens, I'd probably be like, man, man, if you say so, I guess that I, I'm fine with that. But, but Jesus withdrew and, and he goes back. Why? Because Jesus didn't come by force. He came by submission. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. He says, no man takes my life. I lay down my life. And that's the miracle in the passage. But now I want you to see the message that it points to. And so what happens is Jesus withdrew. And his disciples get in a boat. And they start to head out across to Capernaum. And about three miles out, a storm starts. Let's just say a hurricane. It's just a storm starts, and they're afraid. And then you, most of us have heard this. Jesus just comes walking up on the water, and he says, Don't be afraid, it is I. And that it is I is translated, I am. 
It is I am. It's the great I am. And he gets in the boat and they go to the other side. And when he gets there, pick it up in verse uh, 25. When he gets there, it says in verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And not just when, how? Because the disciples got in a boat and they didn't see Jesus in that boat. How did Jesus even get here in the first place? Did he like get on his personal jet ski and like ride across the lake? Like how did, actually he walked on the water and got in the boat. And they're wondering, man, how did he get here? When did he get here? In verse 26, Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You see, Jesus, to Jesus, motives matter. And he looks on the heart. And Jesus looks at them and says, You're not looking for me because you love me. You're looking for me because of what I've done for you. That you've had your physical food and had your fill. You're caught up with physical food but you're missing a spiritual message. You see, the woman at the well thought it was real water. Nicodemus thought he was talking about real childbirth. And the crowd thought he was talking about real bread. But he said, you're, you're caught up with the physical feeding, but you're missing a spiritual lesson. There's a message behind the miracle. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal Life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Jesus says, don't put your hope in the world. Put your hope in Me, because I can give you something that the world cannot give you. Verse 28, then they asked Him, what must we do to do the work that God requires? That's a common question. What must we do? When you look in the Bible, it's the, the rich young ruler said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches an awesome message and they're cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do? And the Philippian jailer, when he was converted, he looked to Paul and said, what must I do? In verse 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is to do this, believe in the one he has sent. That's the answer. It's not your works. It's His works. That the work to do is to believe in me. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall never perish but have everlasting life. And I just want to say, there really is a work. When you look at the Ten Commandments, we get a zero on that test. And so it's just, it's, we're saved by not our works, but by His works. And Jesus says the work for us is to believe in Him. In verse 30, they asked Him, what sign will you give us that we may see and believe? What will you do? How can you prove this? And man, that's amazing to me. Seeing doesn't always equal believing. They just saw Jesus multiply a boy's lunchbox. And they still want another sign. And that's amazing. Don't we do the same thing sometimes? Sometimes in life, we'll say, oh God, if you just answer this one prayer, or if you do this one thing, please, one more time, if you just do this, that'll be enough. Then I'll believe. But the truth is this. If God never did another thing, He's done enough. He's done enough already. In verse 31, they continue and they say, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. 
They say, Moses gave us bread from heaven. What about Moses? The woman at the well, she said, didn't Jacob drink from this well? Are you better than Jacob? And now they're like, hey, are you better than Moses? And then Jesus says, he says in verse 32, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses that gave you bread from heaven. It is my Father who sent the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. That's where it's from. Down from heaven. And gives life to the world. That's who it's for. It's not bread just for the Jews and Israelites. This is bread for the nations. All nations. That's what Jesus has come to do. To give life to the world. In verse 34 they say, Sir, always give us this bread. We want this bread and then, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am this bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, to give you this bread is to give you myself because I am this bread. And if you partake of me, you'll never go hungry. The only thing you'll hunger more for if you come to Jesus is more of Jesus. And this is his message. I'm the bread of heaven. I'm the Red Sea opened up. I am the Passover lamb. I'm the blood on the doorpost. I am the better Moses. Moses wrote about me. Abraham longed to see my day. He says, no matter what it is, whether it's food or whether it's fear, I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm stronger than anything else you'll face in this life. I am the great I am. That is the message behind the miracle. Verse 36, but as I told you, some of you have seen me and you still don't believe. Jesus said, I showed you a sign, but you still don't believe. However, verse 37, all those who my Father gives me, they will come to me. They will believe, and whoever comes, I will never drive away. Ephesians 1.4 says, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we're a chosen people. How do you know if you're chosen? It's simple. You come to Jesus. You come to Jesus. You come because you want to come. But he says, man, I knew this before the foundation of the world was ever laid. And the same bread that comes down from heaven, Jesus says, I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me. I shall lose none. All that the Father gives me, but I will raise them up on the last day. It's going to happen. This is the most encouraging passage ever. That if you come to Jesus, He holds you. And not only does He hold you, but He keeps you. Verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. That's the message, and that's the miracle. Now I want to close, I want to talk about me and you. And there's just a few things I want you to write down, I want you to remember. And I hope this encourages you. And the first is this. Fight against the drift in believing that this world will give you life. Fight against the drift in believing that this world will give you life. He says in verse 27, Don't work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And if you trust in me, you'll never go hungry. You'll never go thirsty. Most of us, maybe we know what it's like to go to the beach 
and, and you're playing in, in the water, you're playing uh, at the beach, and you're just caught up in everything around you. You're, maybe you're playing with your kids, or maybe you're just watching the waves, and, and the next thing you know, you, you look up, and you're not where you're supposed to be. And, and naturally, you have drifted with the current. You didn't mean to, you just did. I know that's the hardest job as a parent when I go to the beach is getting my kid to stay where he's supposed to stay. And he just naturally drifts. And what I have found is in our life, our natural drift is we just desire to have more stuff. Anybody else? Like, man, you just want more stuff. There's like a longing to want more and want more. I know for me, man, I buy into the lie all the time. And if I could just have that, then I'd be satisfied. If I could get this, get to this point in life, then I would be truly fulfilled. Uh, If I could just have this job after college, like some future better version of yourself, or if I could just make this much money a week, please Jesus, then I would be satisfied. Or if I could get this truck or go on that vacation, girl, if I could just remodel my kitchen, then I would be satisfied with my house. Man, uh, if, if I could just get this education, man, if I could get to this place in my marriage. And man, you can ask my wife. Man, she dreamed of having a man like me. And, and I let her down all the time. All the time. I'm really good at it, at letting her down. But this is what Joby Martin calls the, the cul-de-sac of stupidity. We wake up and eat something and then drive something. And we go to work and we sell something. And then we buy something and go home and watch something. And then we wake up and do it all again. And we set our eyes so naturally on everything up under the sun instead of the God over the sun. And we, we dream about this. Or we see stuff. And we say, man, if I could get that stuff, I'd be so happy. And then you get that stuff. And that stuff doesn't make you happy, but for about two days. And it doesn't make you happy anymore. And then you say, I got an idea. I'll get some newer stuff. And then we take another lap and we go round and round and round, but it never truly, really satisfied. God says, don't work for food that spoils. Um, the, the greatest challenge, uh, C.J. Mahaney says, the greatest challenge facing the church in America is not persecution from the world, it's seduction by the world. We look naturally to the world to satisfy a hunger that God can only satisfy. And so we're controlled by disordered desires or passions. But the sober reality is more is never enough. He said you ate and had your fill, but now you're hungry again. You're you're, you're hungry for food that spoils. C.S. Lewis says, I can't find a sweet tea big enough. I can't find a book long enough. And what that shows us about him is he's a nerd, but he's got a great point. And he says, if I find myself a desire with no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation was I was made for another world. See, Jesus don't just want us to be happier citizens of this world. He actually makes us a citizen of another world. And this is a simple truth, but it does speak to us, doesn't it? Don't work for food that spoils. And in other words, man, there's more to life than just the physical. And this is the beauty of Jesus. This is what I love about Jesus. He's the only thing I've found that don't grow old. He ages ages like fine wine. He gets better and better and better. He's better today than he was yesterday in my life. He's the one thing that... You ever like a song come on the radio and you play it like 10 times in in five minutes, if that's even possible? You, You ever done that? Just wear it out? 
then by the time you go to bed, you don't even like it no more. Like, dang, I don't wore this out. But Jesus never wears out. He gets better and better and better. And this is the beauty. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They'll be filled. They'll be satisfied. Remember this. Satisfaction isn't found in stuff. It's found in a Savior. A Savior. And that's the power of the Christian life because the key to a strong no is a better yes. And he's better. My mama reminded me of this last night we were talking, but when, when my little girl is younger, she's real young, probably remember this. We was out by the pool and she came walking up. She had a bunch of these little beach balls in her hand. And she was holding on to these little beach balls. And then I, there, there was this huge one we had. I went and picked it up. I went to give it to her. And she was doing this. And I was handing it to her. But she wouldn't grab a hold of it because she wasn't willing to let go of what she had. And I was like, man, I got something bigger. I got something better. And listen, when did you start thinking your plans was better than his, your plans was better than his? And I'm not saying following Jesus means that, that, you're gonna, that things are going to go great. You might follow him, and actually that might look bad for you here. It, it's not that things are be prosperity and health, but it does mean that his plans are way better than the ones that you have for your life. It's better. It's better. What are you looking for right now to satisfy a longing that only Christ can? Is there spiritual priority in your life? Watch this. What is it that would pain you if you lost it? Look at me. Look at me. I love you. I love you so much. Look at me. You're going to lose it. Everything here is temporary. Everything you own right now is going to be left to somebody else. And what happens if your kid's an idiot? You're going to leave it to them. And, and I'm telling you, everything you have. And so listen, uh, John uh, 14.2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. Matthew 6.19-21, Don't store up treasures on earth. Store up yourselves treasures in heaven where vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in a seal. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal, fix your eyes on Him. You'll never find your purpose in life until you find yourself in God. Fight the drift. Fight the drift. The next thing I want you to write down is this. It's possible to be amazed by Jesus and still not truly follow Him. And I don't want to be long here, but in verse 26... He says, you are looking for me because you saw the signs I performed. Not because of that, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. And Jesus could draw a crowd, couldn't he? But they weren't coming to him because they loved him. Jesus was not the means. He was just a means to an end. And we know this because they all walked away in verse 66. In verse 2, a large crowd followed him. But in verse 66, a large crowd deserted him. In chapter 6, they wanted to crown him. But in chapter 19, they wanted to kill him. But Peter says, he looked at Peter and says, you want to go away also? And Peter says this, Lord, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. To the crowd, Jesus was a means to an end. But to Peter, Jesus was the means to life. He's not just a ticket. He's treasure. He's what life is all about. Colossians 1 says, All things were created by Jesus for Jesus. Verse 35, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. And Jesus didn't just come to give bread. He came to be bread. 
He is bread. He's what life is all about. See, the Christian life isn't transaction. It's union. It's not just a transaction from Christ. It's union with Christ, with Him. Emmanuel, Merry Christmas, God with us. Bethlehem is God with us. Calvary is God for us. Pentecost is God in us. And God doesn't want to do just life for you. He wants to do life with you. Isn't that something? That God would create us and then want to do life with us and glorify Jesus? That's amazing to me. That God wants to do life with you and wants to do life with me. And He chooses to be so united with you that He calls you members of His own body. That's how dedicated He is to you. That's how united that He is. Jesus Himself says the kingdom is like treasure hidden in a field. And a man found this field and found this treasure and then went and sold everything he had and bought this field. That's what Jesus is like. He's treasure. He's union. And don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for anything less than that. Don't settle for Bible Belt Christianity when you can have biblical Christianity. Listen to me. Bible Belt Christianity says go to church. Biblical Christianity says be the church. Bible Belt Christianity says follow the rules. Biblical Christianity says follow Christ. Bible Belt Christianity says follow Jesus and we don't have to go to hell. But Biblical Christianity says follow Jesus and you get to have Jesus. He's the prize. He's the treasure. Don't be a fan. Be a follower. A fan uh, wants the blessings. But a disciple wants Jesus. A fan's devotion depends on the season. I was ready to take my red shirt off when George scored that touchdown. But the disciples driven by the Spirit. The fan has public passion. The disciple has private devotion. Fans come and go, but true disciples remain forever. And there's always a crowd. But then there's a crew. And the crew are the disciples. And what I'm trying to tell you is don't settle for Sunday Christianity. And, and I got to move on, but it I know where we live. We live in the only place on earth where you can say you're a Christian, but not be one. We live in the only place on earth where it's so easy to be a professional Christian and just come to church, but God's got way more for you than that. Don't settle. Don't just be amazed. Follow Jesus. Next, I want you to write this down, is this. In Christ is the safest place in the universe. Notice the will of God. Verse 39, he says, This is the will of Him who sent me, that I'll lose none, that He's given to me. He's given me some, and I ain't losing any of them. But I'll lay my life down and raise them up on the last day. Colossians 1, 19-20 says that... that God wants, wants to, through Jesus, reconcile all things to Himself. That's the work of the cross, that through what He did on the cross, in the garden, everything was disunited through Adam. On the cross, everything is united back to Christ and His work on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin be sin, that we might become His righteousness. That's the greatest exchange the world has ever seen. And so when Jesus was on the cross and he says, it is finished. What is finished? That is finished. 
His taking our sin for His righteousness. There's a great exchange that happens. See, the death of Jesus don't just make salvation a possibility. It makes it a reality. He knew who would come to faith before He ever went to the cross. He knew everyone who would put their faith in Christ, everyone that He would call to Himself before He ever went. The Father ordained it. The Son purchased it. The Spirit applied it. Before the foundation ever created, God knew He'd save me. On the cross, when He died, He purchased my sin right there. No blood was wasted. And then in 2013, the Spirit applied that to my life. We're selected by the Father, saved by the Son, sealed by the Spirit. And I want you to notice the hand of God. Jesus says, everyone who looks at the Son and believes shall have eternal life. I will raise them up the last day. John 10, 28 says, Nobody can pluck them out of my hand. Remember this, union. Jesus would have to get kicked out of heaven in order for me to get kicked out of him. That's the most secure you could ever be, is in the hands of Jesus, in Christ. How, listen, to, listen to me, how are you so sure that God's going to keep you? For one, he said so. But for two, God has already put the best thing about heaven into us, himself. He's given you His Spirit. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, and washed in the blood. And I just want to encourage you, don't ever forget where God met you. Don't ever forget where He saved you. You were dead, not alive. You were weak, not strong. You were dependent, not independent. You were sinful, not holy. And I want to encourage you, always remember what it is that keeps you. Grace. On a count of three, say grace. One, two, three. Philippians 1 says, Being confident of this, he who began a good work will carry it to completion. Don't make a sanctification issue a justification issue. If you've put your faith in Christ, listen, it's not about my performance, it's about his performance. That's a weight off my back. I might wake up one morning and, man, I pray with my wife. Wake my kids up and pray with them. Cook breakfast. Wash the dishes in the sink. Take the kids to school. Pray with them before they get out. I go to the gas station. I lead three people to Jesus. I come back home and I cook supper and pray with my uh, wife again and go to bed. But the next day, I get up. I hit my foot on the edge of the bed. And I drop the F-bomb. And I go into the kitchen and the dishes ain't washed, and I say something to Brandy, and we get in a fight, and I'm running late to work, and I pull out in front of somebody, and they give me the finger, let me know I'm number one in life. And it's a horrible day. God's love for me on the second day is just the same as the first day because it's not on me. It's on Him who loved me and demonstrated His love for me that while I was yet a sinner, He came and died for me then. And I want you to let that truth change your life. It'll change your life. You can't crowbar change into your life. You can only be melted. And it is grace that melts our heart. Grace isn't the jumper cables to get the Christian life started. It's the engine that keeps the Christian life going. It's not a hotel to pass through. It's a house to live out of. Justification and what God's done for you feeds sanctification and growth in your life. And it's not perfection, it's pursuit. You just stumble forward. We grow like kids grow. You don't know how kids grow. 
Next thing you know, they walk downstairs and they got something dirty on their lip and their underarm stink. And you're like, oh my God, you're becoming a man. And it just changes, it just happens. And that's how you change. You continue to grow. You grow in grace. And this is the hope that we have. He says, I will raise them up on the last day. In other words, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Romans 8, 28 through 30, he says, for, for those who God foreknew, he predestined. And those he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The question isn't, can you lose your salvation? You couldn't find it. The question is, are you in Adam or are you in Jesus? And you're born in Adam. And you're born again in Jesus. In Christ is the safest place in the universe. And then lastly, I want you to write this down. Jesus wants to use you to share his love with others. I love in Matthew 14, when the crowd came, it says this, that Jesus had compassion on them. The disciples, these fools, they were like, they were like hey, let's tell them to go home. And Jesus is like, hey, hey, ain't nobody's going anywhere. It's lunchtime. I'm about to feed them. And he has compassion on them. And then in John, he says, have the, matter of fact, have the people sit down. And then he used the disciples and distributed all of this, these loaves and this fish. And then when they were done, he said, gather the pieces. And there are 12 baskets left over. And here's what I want you to see. Jesus' love and compassion was shared among the many. But he used the hands and feet of the few to do it. He used the hands and feet of the disciple. Never forget God's vehicle to change the world. It's you. Never forget God's vehicle to change the world. It's the church. And we have a missionary God. He was the first missionary that ever lived. God Himself. He says, I came to give life to the world. And then He tells the disciples, go make disciples of the world. And we're a privileged people. That God would even save me. But watch this. Not that He just saves me, but He would use me. That He would want to use me to make a difference in the world. See, reconciled people live reconciled lives. When God, God has always used a reconciled people and sent them out to go reconcile other people. And that's amazing that we're rescued to be on the rescue team. That He wants to use me to spread His love to other people. And there's true, two great truths we see. And one is the, the extraordinary of ordinary. That man, two disciples failed the test. Philip, hey Philip, where are we going to get bread for all these people? Man, it ain't never going to work. Andrew, man, there's a boy here. But man, what's this going to go among so many? These, or the only person that had probably great faith might have been the kid. Might have been the boy with, like the, the word boy means lad. It's like probably five years old. His mama probably packed him a lunch. She had no idea who she was packing lunch for. But she probably packed his lunch and said, hey, I got fish, I got bread. And, but what we do know is this, that those who become great in the kingdom have to become like a child. Jesus don't need you to be awesome. He's awesome. Jesus don't listen. Jesus, what, 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 if, what, if, what if this? What if nobody was safe? What if every time people turn around, they, there you are, just ready to pray for them, ready to talk to them about Jesus, ready to shower them with generosity and God's love? What if they saw the joy in your life and God overflowing you onto other people? Because that's what He wants. 
He doesn't need you to be awesome. He just wants you to be an overflow in your life that everywhere you go, he spills off of you onto other people. And what I found is the greatest missionaries and the greatest evangelists ain't people with great credentials. It's people that have joy in Jesus. And that's what he wants to use you. It's sloppy but joyful obedience to what you know already. God doesn't need you to get it. He's got it. But he wants to use you to share love with others. And the other truth is the provision of Jesus to those who serve. And I just want to encourage you, man, don't miss the miracle. Don't miss it. The wedding at Cana, guess who got to see the water turn into wine? It was those who were serving. In the feeding of the 5,000, who probably really got to see the miracle? It was the disciples, those who were serving. Don't miss the miracle. Don't miss it. Man, I, I really, God had a light bulb moment when I was reading this text. He was showing me that some of those disciples that passed, passed out fish baskets were the same disciples that left their fishing boats. And I was like, man, this ain't the first time Peter saw him multiply fish. Because he had empty nets when God called him the first time. And he filled them up with fish. And I'm telling you, don't miss the miracle. Peter would have never got to see the things that he got to see if he stayed in the boat. And I know I speak for my life. I'm telling you, I, God's plan for my life is way more than I ever dreamed. And I'm not telling you things are great. And I'm not, once again, I'm not telling you it's going to be prosperity and health. But I am telling you, His plans are way better than your plans. Put your yes on the table and let Him use you to share His love with other people. And then He'll take care of you. He feeds the birds. He clothes the fields. My question is, are you being faithful with little? Are you sharing God's love with people around you? And lastly, as we close, the last thing I want you to write down is the work God requires is believing in Jesus. That's the work He requires. They said this. They said, what must we do? But Jesus said, the work is to believe in He who, who, he who is sent. And that's so natural to us. We love to do something. If you want to make the all-star team, you got to work for it. If you want a job raise at work or raise at your job, you got to work for it. Everything you do in this world is because of what you do in your performance. But Christianity isn't, isn't about performance. It's about position. When Jesus was baptized, God said, This is my Son in who I'm well pleased. And when you put faith in Christ, that's how God sees you now. He sees you hidden in the sun. You're positioned in Him. And the greatest misconception ever believed is I got to do this and then God would love me. Right doing doesn't produce right standing. And I'm trying to set you free this morning. The greatest truth ever revealed is your need for grace. You come to Jesus absolutely broken. And the only people in the Bible who are jacked up was all of them. And it's really when you come to the end of yourself that you find your true self. You find yourself in Christ. It's when you come to the end of yourself that you find who or you are truly created to be. You see, the great truth in the Christian faith is the way up is actually down. The way up is down. The greatest life ever lived. You want to live victorious? You want to have fruit in your life? It's not found in your strength. It's found in His strength. And I'm closing, but here's, here's what I've, I've noticed about Christians. 
When we come to Jesus, we come desperate and broken, and we know how much we need Him. But then, sometimes after we get saved, we do this so naturally. Now, all of a sudden, we think that we got to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We feel like, man, now I just got to live right. Now I just got to read my Bible. Now I just got to go. Now I got to do this. And we put things in our field instead of God's hands. Listen to me. You want to be set free if you want to see real change for real sinners. Don't, don't pull yourself up by your own strength. Collapse into His strength. Every single day, the way up is down. If you want to live a victorious life, you need to know your desperate need for bread. And every single day, you pull up a chair to the table and you have a seat. And by the way, there's room at the table. Because that's what we need is grace. And so maybe if you're here, here's what I would tell you. What good is bread if it's not eaten? And maybe you're here and maybe you're a Christian who's defeated. Maybe you're down and out. Maybe you're rich and healthy. Maybe you're poor and sick. Maybe you're going through good times. Maybe you're going through bad times. Maybe you're a mature Christian. Or maybe you're a young Christian. And here's what I'd tell you. Come to Jesus. Every single day, pull up a chair and eat. Because Jesus didn't just come to give bread. Jesus came to be bread. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And God, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that you are real bread. And God, when we, when we come to you, we never thirst. We never hunger. You're what life is all about. And I pray for the Christian in here. I pray for the person. Maybe they've filled their life with stuff. And it's continuing to leave them empty. Or maybe there's someone in here going through a hard time right now. God, I pray that you would remind them that you're the bread that they need every single day in their life. And we love you. And it's Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, love you guys. Thank you all for having me. We'll see you back next week.